Our body is an incredibly complex machine that all runs around a circadian rhythm. This circadian rhythm responds to many things, and one of them is in fact meal timing. When should I eat on hashtag insert shift here is such a common question I get, and to be honest, there's a very simple answer. In this episode, I will discuss what the current evidence tells us around meal timing. Shift work can be brutal, but it doesn't have to be. Welcome to a healthy shift. My name is Roger Sutherland, certified nutritionist, veteran law enforcement officer, and 24-7 shift worker for almost four decades. Through this podcast, I aim to educate shift workers using evidence-based methods to not only survive the rigors of shift work, but thrive. My goal is to empower shift workers to improve their health and well-being so they have more energy to do the things they love. Enjoy today's show. And welcome to today's show. Today, I'm going to be talking about meal timing. I get so many questions around when to eat and what, so let's dive in and talk about it. Now, if you follow a lot of people on social media, they will tell you that it literally does not matter what you eat and when, it all comes down to energy balance. And you will find that this is going to be debunked in time. And I'll explain to you why. Circadian disruption leaves us feeling like rubbish and a lot more than we realize, and it has many, many metabolic problems that come with that. Now, as a shift worker, it's difficult for us to avoid this, but we also self-sabotage with a number of the things that we do, which literally leaves our circadian rhythm trying to guess what on earth we are doing, why, and when. Now, staying in line with our circadian rhythm is without doubt the key. Chrononutrition, put simply, is the term that's been given to the science behind the relationship between eating patterns, your circadian rhythm, and metabolic health. Chrononutrition is still a very, very emerging science, and it's incredibly exciting, not only for shift workers, but for everyone. So stay tuned, because there's a lot in this podcast for everybody. Now, first of all, There have been many myths around meal timing, so let's put them on the table and just knock them over to start off with. Good old mum's favourite. Take yourself back. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Eat breakfast to boost your metabolism? Just no. It can be effective to get nutrients in, but it will not boost your metabolism at all. Eat breakfast or not? It's entirely up to you. You do you. If you don't feel like eating breakfast, don't eat breakfast. If you do feel like eating breakfast, eat breakfast. It's that simple. Now, here's a bro science alert. Eating carbs after 6pm leads to fat gain. Absolute rubbish. Overall calories during the day are what leads to fat loss, maintenance or gain. A calorie deficit, end of story, is what leads to fat loss. And it is literally that simple. Here's another bro science alert. Eating several meals throughout the day will, quote, speed up your metabolism. Once again, absolute rubbish. It just doesn't work that way. So what does the science tell us about meal timing? Now, before anyone at me, 
I'm going to keep this as simple as possible so that you, the listener, can easily understand and comprehend what it is that I'm talking about. So let's just try and explain it. Our circadian rhythm has a regular 24-hour cycle, and that cycle is responding to what are known as zeitgebers. Now, zeitgebers are the cues to our body's circadian rhythm. So our circadian rhythm is endogenous, so it's internal, and the zeitgebers are something that comes to us externally, all right? So let's cover the three main ones, and you'll understand why by the end of this podcast. Now, the first one is light. The most influential zeitgeber is light intensity. Now, light is the most powerful zeitgeber, and it essentially tells us when we go to sleep and when we wake. And an example of this is we sleep in the dark and we're active during light hours. Duh, Rog, we all know that this is the case. All right, But light is what actually activates our suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is our SCN, which is our brain's internal pacemaker and kicks our day off. Now, lack of light can decrease your mood and your energy levels, which has been seen in patients with seasonal affective disorder during the winter months. So this is something because of the exposure to darkness, it actually decreases in our mood. Once again, circadian disruption. On the opposite spectrum, too much light can keep you awake and disrupt your natural signals to go to sleep. Hello, blue light. And I've done a uh, podcast on all of that as well. Now, it's important to note that light works without the need for photoreceptors. Believe it or not, a blind person can still have their circadian rhythm affected by light. Put simply, Get bright light during the morning and day and reduce light intensity in the evening. Now, the light spectrum, artificial and blue light versus our red and amber's lights are what actually stimulates our circadian rhythm at opposite ends of the day. So apart from sunlight and light intensity, the quality of the light and its wavelength on the spectrum may act as a zeitgeber as well. For example... By blocking blue light by wearing these amber or reddy coloured glasses has been shown to help people with insomnia. And the blue light is clearly a stimulatory and may keep you awake at night, which is shifting your natural environmental cues. Now, reducing the amount of artificial light and increasing your amount of natural light may improve your metabolic functions, your cognitive function, and your circadian rhythm. This is why I strongly encourage people to wake up, get up, get caffeine, and get outside ASAP. As soon as you wake, do this, and what you're doing is you are triggering that circadian rhythm and resetting it every day. Now, we need to get all wavelengths of light during the day. So what we need to do is we need to get the maximum amount of blue light early in the day. Then this blue light is the external light. This is not just under under the lighting inside because it's just not bright enough. But going outside and getting the light outside and then getting loads of reddy or amber colored light in the evening and blocking out the blue light is what will help us to resync with our circadian rhythm which is, of course, controlling our sleep-wake cycle. Now, the next most important zeitgeber 
is our food timing. But what I'm going to do is I'll cover that after I quickly cover this next one. And the third one is exercise. Exercise sessions can induce phase shifts in our circadian rhythm as exercise is a strong zookeeper, independent of light. So movement is what we're talking about here. And depending on the time of day, exercise can enhance certain biological functions as well. So in human, melatonin plays a big role in the timing of exercise. Morning exercise can enhance a parasympathetic activity, while evening exercise will activate a sympathetic activity. Remember, sympathetic means stressed, so we've got to be careful. And a fun fact here for you, at 5pm, That's when we are at our strongest and we have the most cardiovascular efficiency. So that's the absolute best train, best time for us to train. And what we should do is exercise at the same time every day. Okay, so let's dig into and go back to now the second most important, which is our food timing. And again, I'm just going to go super simple here. Food timing is is a main zeke to our circadian rhythm. Our circadian rhythm actually anticipates our food intake, our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ever noticed how you get a grumble in the gut around breakfast, lunch, and dinner time? It's not just because you've gone without food, but it's actually a signal that we need, that, that is brought about by our circadian rhythm to remind us that this is the time that we need to eat. So to put things simply, it's really important to our health to eat at a regular time. Yes, shift workers, you too. A pattern of eating at breakfast, lunch, and dinner are essential to our metabolic health. Now, eating outside of these are what creates metabolic dysfunction. Eating during the biological night, nighttime, is clearly now linked to fat gain and obesity. Now, this occurs due to a resting digestive system, even though we are awake. It is imperative that we eat as little as possible during dark hours. And a fun fact, our basal metabolic rate, which is the calories that consumed at rest, so if we were to sleep and we're just lying there sleeping, the basal metabolic rate are the calories that we actually burn just to keep us alive. Our basal metabolic rate actually runs at approximately 200 calories less overnight than it does during the day. So for you night shift calorie trackers, you need to deduct around about 200 calories per 24 hours when you're on nights because your basal metabolic rate slows down by that much. Now the pancreas produces less insulin overnight while it rests. So why is this important? Well, insulin is important because it transports our blood sugar into our cells so it can be used as energy. Now, the cells also close shop for the night. So when we eat, there is little insulin to get the blood sugar to the cells. And when it does finally get there, the door's locked. Now, this means that blood sugar builds up and eventually gets parked as adipose tissue. And what is adipose tissue? It is body fat. Stored energy because it has absolutely nowhere to go. Now let me give you a visual of that. Let's think of insulin as a train and our blood sugar are the passengers on the train. Now at night we don't have very many trains at all but we've got lots of passengers. So they're all packed into this one train and what happens is the train is running 
And when it pulls up to the cell or to the station, the station is closed and it's got nowhere to go. So the train continues on and it keeps going because there is literally nowhere to dump the passengers. So it ends up back in the yard and all the passengers have to get off back at the yard because that's what's open. And the yard is literally where the adipose tissue is. And that's what it's doing is it's going to drop them all there. So you get a buildup. So when we eat overnight, we tend to eat highly palatable carbohydrates and fats. And these are calorically dense or the fats are calorically dense at nine calories per gram. So while we're sitting there eating our chips, chocolate, lollies um, and cake, etc., overnight, it literally has nowhere to go. So it gets parked as adipose tissue, which is body fat. Put simply, please don't eat at night because it is causing you problems. Now, let's talk about intermittent fasting or people call it intermittent fasting, but it's at literally what they call time-restricted feeding. Okay, so... People time-restricted feeding are fasting from 8 p.m. at night to midday the next day because they believe that it causes them to lose weight. They call it IF, but it's actually time-restricted feeding. And if you think about it, you can see why it's called time-restricted feeding. Put simply, there is absolutely zero metabolic benefit to doing this. It's literally just cutting breakfast and therefore the calories consumed over the course of the day. And that's what elicits the fat loss. So it's not intermittent fasting, it's basically just a calorie deficit. Say what you like, and anyone who intermittent fasts and intermittent fasts will come at you with cherry-picked evidence, but the fact is, you're literally just skipping breakfast. Now the dangers of this, this pattern of eating comes with the risk of overeating in the feeding window due to hunger. It's a disordered eating of eating pattern for no other reason other than to elicit fat loss by calorie deficit because of the one meal skipped. So that's the bottom line. Be very, very careful with intermittent fasting because it can cause you all sorts of problems as it's almost a restrict and binge, restrict and binge. And if you repeat that cycle often enough, you can literally end up with a binge eating disorder or a problem. And that's what the evidence shows. Now, studies are now showing that early time-restricted feeding is very beneficial for a number of reasons. People who consume majority of their calories in the first part of the day versus people who consume majority of their calories in the latter part of the day achieve much better biological health markers and an increase in fat loss. Sorry, what? At one stage, 11 overweight adults practiced, in one study, my apologies, 11 overweight adults practiced early time restricted feeding, eating from 8am to 2pm, a six hour window, and then they fasted. 2pm, they finished eating. Then there was a flush out period, and they did this for a period of two weeks, and then there was a flush out period, and then they did a control schedule of eating between 8am and 8pm. Surprisingly, the early time-restricted feeding group felt less hungry with decreased levels of ghrelin, which is our hunger hormone, and increased fullness. Now, this style of early time-restricted feeding intervention facilitated in greater fat loss primarily by decreasing appetite. Yeah, that's not a mistake. 
it decreased appetite. And early time-restricted feeding may also increase fat loss by increasing fat oxidisation. So how do you think you would go not eating from 2pm every single day? Now you would think, if I said to you, you can eat from 7 o'clock in the morning and finish eating at 2pm, you would think, there is no way known, Rog, could I not eat from 2pm? My God, I can't even get from 8pm when I have dinner to bedtime without having to have some sort of a snack. Well, the science says you'll actually be less hungry and you will burn more body fat with increased biomarkers such as increasing insulin sensitivity. Remember what I spoke about with the train? There's more stations that are open to drop the passengers off, so we actually get to burn it, right? We get a reduction in blood pressure. We get a reduction in oxidative oxidative stress, Now, these are imbalances between the free radicals and antioxidants in the body, which over time will cause us diabetes, atherosclerosis, which is the hardening of our arteries, high blood pressure, heart disease, cancers, and neurodegenerative diseases, such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, and also an increase in B-cell function. Now, B-cell function are antibodies that bind to pathogens or toxins within the body and they neutralize them. So it's so interesting that the early time restricted feeding seems to win. Now, in another study, a group had their meals flipped so that their most calorically dense meal was at breakfast and the meals got smaller throughout the day versus what we normally do in having a smaller um, breakfast and then it gets larger until we get towards the end of the day. Now, the group that ate their larger meals earlier in the day lost more weight, most likely due to eating less due to satiety. Now, let's revisit my brunch with friends scenario. Now, I've spoken about this before, and I'll just cover it briefly. And for those of you who've been listening, you'll know what I'm about to say. But when you are going to go out for brunch with friends, or you and your partner, husband, wife, whatever, are going to go out for brunch, one of the first things that you do is you get up, shower, get organized, might go for a walk, and then you end up having brunch, so you haven't eaten. Now, when you actually sit down to have that brunch, you actually load yourself up with your eggs, your toast, your smashed avo, whatever, bacon, What happens? You feel full for the rest of the day and you don't tend to eat until you get to dinner time. So therefore, because of what you're eating early in the day, being proteins, carbs and fats, you're actually eating less over the day. So people, eat more early in the day. So what's the best time to eat and when and what? Get your pen and paper because here we go. If you're on an early shift, which is a 6am to 7am, and you get up in the dark, have yourself a big drink of water to rehydrate and get your system going. But try not to eat much before you get to work and are exposed to light. Now, I'm talking about if you're up in the dark here, try not to eat in the dark because your circadian rhythm still has your digestive tract sleeping. Now, around 8 o'clock to 10am, This is when your digestive tract is now fully awake, so you can have your caffeine and your breakfast, and that will have where it will have its maximum effect. Now, midday to 1 p.m., have your lunch, high protein, carbs, healthy fats. And around about 5.30 to 6.30, dinner, high protein, carbs, healthy fats again, and try and avoid eating after 8 p.m. That's if you're on a day shift. Now, if you're on an Arvo shift, which is any time that starts from 1pm to 3pm, upon waking, hydrate, 
caffeinate. Get to 8am to 10am. Your digestive tract is now fully awake, so have your caffeine and your breakfast. Midday to 1pm, your lunch, your high-protein carbs and healthy fats. 5.30 to 6.30, dinner, high-protein carbs and healthy fats, and avoid eating after 8pm. Now, you'll note that both of those are pretty much the same. It's important because we're keeping our circadian rhythm in sync. Now, if you're on nights, it's a little tricky, but I want you to remember your system is stressed and you won't feel like eating much, so follow your body's cue, all right? So when you get home from night shift at 0600 to 8 o'clock or 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., have a small protein and carb meal, and I mean small, just a little bit of carbohydrate, a little bit of protein. Proats are ideal or a Greek yogurt with a protein powder. This is high protein, and it will give you the opportunity that carbohydrate will help you to sleep, the protein will keep you asleep. Now, when you wake, expose yourself to light, hydrate, and caffeinate. Get out in the light for a walk. Once again, we have movement here as well. So we're getting the light and the movement, and that's triggering our circadian rhythm. Have yourself a small snack, protein, carbs, and fats. My go-to is literally a toasty, cheese and Vegemite. We've got carbs, protein, fat. Perfect. At dinner time, my main meal is between 10 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. And that's when I have high protein, high veggies. Veggies for all the nutrients that come with it, protein, to keep me highly satiated overnight. From midnight, cut your caffeine out because it will impact on your sleep when you get home and increase your hydration. And this is when we fast. Now, ladies, this is when it's super important for you to fast overnight. Give your system a break. You already have a compromised digestive tract. And if you are in the luteal phase of your cycle, you will compromise this even more. So by just having water, cutting out the caffeine, which is also known to cause IBS issues as well, and not having food passing through that digestive tract, you will feel so much better. If you can't fast overnight right up until you get home, at around about 4 a.m., have yourself something like a Yopro yogurt and blueberries or a, a Greek yogurt and berries with a protein powder or a protein shake. Something simple that you can have that is really, really easy for you to, um, to snack on. All right, then you get home and you repeat and go back and start again. Now, you might need to replay that, but anyway, there's your what you should eat. Okay, now, to recap and note the biggest takeaways of this today is to be consistent in your daily routines as much as you could possibly stay in line with it. Be active and eat during the daylight hours. Right, so move and eat at our normal times. And when it's dark outside, go to sleep and don't eat. Or if you're a shift worker and you're on night shift, only eat up until about 10.30, 11.30, and then fast. Cut the caffeine and fast. Now, when possible, I put a covenant over this, when possible, but you can lounge around and self-sabotage, or you can get up and get on with it and keep your circadian rhythm in, um, in sync. It is for this reason that I promote the way I do going into and coming out of night shift so that there is a minimum disruption to the circadian rhythm. You'll feel better. 
I promise you, you will feel better. It's difficult getting up and out of bed. I understand that. But you will definitely feel better. Okay, so that's meal timing in a nutshell. If you've got any questions, by all means, you can DM me, you can message me. I sincerely appreciate any questions that I get if it's something that I haven't covered. Now, one thing that I do want to cover is I'm getting a lot of listens to the podcast every single day and I'm eternally grateful for it. But there are so few ratings and or reviews compared to the listens that I'm actually getting. I'm getting heaps of listens to every single episode. So people are obviously getting plenty out of it. If you're getting value out of this podcast, I just ask that you please take a minute or two to just provide feedback on the podcast. Because as a content creator, this feedback is what keeps me going. I'm providing all of this free to you, and all I'm asking in return is a rating and a review. Now, on Apple, you can just go to the main page, and all you got to do is when you go to my main podcast page is to scroll all the way down to the bottom. You can give it however many stars you wish, and you can just write a short review, and it's sincerely appreciated. I see them all. On Spotify, just go to the main page. Just underneath the image is three dots. Click on that. You can give it a rating. Give it the five stars if you believe it's worth five stars. And I'm eternally grateful to you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you get notified whenever a new episode is released. It would also be ever so helpful if you could leave a rating and review on the app you're currently listening on. If you want to know more about me or work with me, you can go to a healthy shift.com. I'll catch you on the next one.